This is no great stretch of logic, but do you understand that thieves do not steal things that are not valuable? Okay, you got that bolted down? Got that part of your understanding? That thieves only steal those things that are valuable. Do we recognize what is valuable in our lives? In today's message, I want to speak to you about some things that we need to guard. These are the end times, and both, all three points are end times points. The, I, you know, and for me, end times has been like since the day I got saved in 1981. I thought Jesus was going to return the very next moment. I was just so lit up with him and still continues. However, I just want to tell you that it's, the signs are really obvious. And, uh, you know, you can look at the physical signs and say, yep, yep, the, the, we're going to, we're going to be seeing Jesus. We're going to meet with him in the clouds anytime. Uh, you know, and Pastor Mike, I, in full agreement with everything he preaches. And, uh, in fact, it's, it's done nothing but light me up through the last couple years. But I just want to ch- say this morning that there are some things that we need to pay attention to in scripture concerning about not what physical signs are, but the things we need to guard. I'm aware that the things that I have there's a thief that wants to steal them. Jesus said that you do not cast your pearl before swine. Do you know what that means? It means this. Pearls are valuable, are they not? Does a pig understand the value of such? No. Therefore, because the pig does not see the value of a pearl, it does not know what to do with it. And what do we do a lot of our week? I know that many of us are online and we debate and and we argue and we get into little spats, maybe at work or maybe around. And, you know, and how much of that is casting pearl? before swine. Now, Jesus said that. I'm not so sure I could say that about my fellow man or make that comparison. But Jesus also said that those who are are clean will return to the slop as a pig will slide right back in. Or dogs returning to their vomit. Maybe that's why people like cats so much, Adam. Dogs clean it up at least. Cats won't. Whole nother thing. So I want to draw your attention this morning to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Part of my being distracted this week has been thoroughly, well, distracting. And one of them is, I was, I was distracted for the whole day, two days, when I usually send my, my scripture portions to Larry so he could put them up on the wall for you all to see. But guess what? Guess what? We're going to have to rely on Bibles this morning.
While some are still arguing over what version is the most holy, which version is the most correct, we're living in a day and age now where people just don't bring their Bibles. Ooh, ooh, where'd that come from, Rip? Is that not true? Are we not living in one of the greatest signs of the end times, which is a great falling away must first occur before the man of lawlessness is revealed? We're in that time. How long it's going to last, I don't know. But I know this, that when people are falling away, that can only take place to the point where the last one has fallen away or the last denomination has fallen away. All the major denominations have fallen away. Saw that in 1995 when at first, I think it was the the Presbyterians or the Methodists announced in their general council of the big the big gathering of their of their council in the United States that that they were going to say that the word of God is not literally in inerrant that there's mistakes in it that was the beginning of it that's a sign another sign would be when Jesus said that because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. Got to tell you, folks, you can look at that situation politically. And I want to address that a little bit later here. Uh, you can you can blame it on the mayors of, of these big cities where all kinds of murders are taking place. But you know what? It's not It's not that. Are they poor leaders? Yes. But since when did Mayor Lightfoot be telling everybody to stop killing everybody and she could actually do something about it? We would like to say that political leaders can fix things like that, but they cannot. They cannot. A man kills another man because of a lack of love. The love of many is growing colder. There's another sign for you. Because we don't love each other, we steal from one another. We hurt each other. We say bad things when we come together. We have division in families, division in churches. Because of the increase of wickedness, it's because many have drifted. Now, it was a couple messages back. It wasn't too long ago. Pastor Mike had me speak, and I brought up this this one little interesting thing where Paul said to Timothy in one of those two letters, he said that in the last days will be perilous times. Do you recall that when I spoke on that? You know what that word perilous means, don't you? Do you know how many other places in the New Testament that the word perilous is used? Greek language. Greeks have words. Greeks have many words. And and Greeks believe that you can describe a picture in a thousand words, but for the Hebrew language, they use word pictures. And they can take a thousand... They believe that in... Explaining something with word pictures and a thousand different pictures. Now, if that makes sense to you, let me, let me say this. 
When you see a word that's only used twice in the New Testament, you pay attention to it. Because it's unique and it stands alone to describe something, it commands attention. And that word perilous is used one other time. You know what it was? Now, first of all, let me, let me say that when Paul said, in the last days will be perilous times, he gave a whole list of, of terrible personality quirks? No. They are signs of demon possession. If you read that, first, first Timothy, is it 3.15? Or no, 3.1. You look at that. If it's not First Timothy, it's Second Timothy. I'm flying by the seat of my pants now. This is all my years. I've got my notes, and this one isn't in it. <sighs> perilous. Paul says, Timothy, in the last days there will be perilous times, and went through and gave a long list. You know about you know children being disobedient, people being lovers of self. Lovers of money rather than lovers of God going right on down the list of how many different terrible human conditions. But when you understand where that word perilous is also appearing in scripture and what it really means in the original meaning, go back to the other time where it was used. It's when Jesus and the disciples were in the boat and they were heading towards Gadara. They approach, they approach the tomb of Gadarenes. When they come on shore, there comes the demoniac or demoniacs. There were two of them. And in that, they come to Jesus and they said, are you coming to torment us now? And remember, now, just for simplicity's sake, I'll just say one of them, not both of them. But history has it that there were two, but never mind, just the one, so we don't get too confused here this morning. Do you remember the conditions of that? What was described as the, the conditions of that man that was demon-possessed, that first of all, that they put chains on him, and he'd break the chains. So terrifying, so terrifying, so perilous was that demoniac that people let him live in the tombs because they didn't want to go there anyway. Remember, he was the one who had legion. Legion, for we are many. Do you understand the connection I'm making? Perilous. The man of Gadara. The only other time that word perilous was used was Paul was giving a description of what it's going to look like in the end times. People, we are there. You don't have to watch the news. You see it. It's crazy. You wonder what... People have lost their minds. No, they are demon-possessed. And we've got this thing called fentanyl. Kind of makes meth look like children's aspirin or Flintstone chewables. We are living in terrible times. 
perilous times. We are living in what I call, (laughs) this is Rip's little description, we are living in the days of legion. Paul said it to Timothy, in the last days will be the days of legion. So, there's a devil loose. Why do thieves steal? Because they're thieves. They don't understand love. We had, we had foster kids when we were teenagers, or not teenagers, in our early 20s, we had teens in our home, teenage boys as foster kids over in Petoskey when we were youth pastoring back in 1985 and 86 in that time. And, and we had a young man I, I, that we just, we just couldn't understand why he wouldn't respond to the love that was in our home. Kept acting up. Kept doing what he'd, and just begin to understand that there will be those that do not respond to love. You cannot, you can't be idealistic to the point that you can bring a drug addict out of drug addiction by loving them. Because everybody has a different idea of how love is shown to other people. That's not love. But you have to be tough. Now, if you're taking notes, you've probably got all kinds of scribbling going on because sometimes in my mind it gets to be that way. Welcome to Rip's world. But I do have notes, and I have a word that I want to share with you. But I believe that out of this belly shall flow rivers of living water. And I lay hands on my stomach every day I come in here. And I say that out of this belly shall flow rivers of living water. And God is faithful. And so I want to share with you some living water this morning. That you have to guard what is valuable, but you don't know what's valuable unless you step back Get away from the invaluable and sort out what is valuable in your life. Do you know that Sunday is all about that? That you come in from the invaluable and you come to a place of value. We don't know most of the time what is really valuable in our lives. And that is what the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you'd be glad if he only steals something rather than killing you. But he can do that if you're not careful, if you're not serving the Lord, if you're not born again in particular. Genesis 2.15 says this, The Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. What was the garden like when the Lord places Adam in the garden? Just created him. You'll have to imagine some of this. I can't. I can't grasp that. Set him down in a garden which was pristine, correct? Pristine. 
Hey, it was so nice and warm that he didn't even need clothing and didn't even think he was naked and not having clothing. No, that's pristine. No, I'm not one of those nudist colony types. Those people are freaked out. They're flat earth crazy. <laughs> I say, I'm from northern Michigan. I wear clothing. <laughs> what was he guarding the garden for? The Lord said to tend it. And if you look up tend in the, in the, back in the, in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, it means to guard. What is he guarding? It, guard? Adam, what are you guarding the garden from? <laughs> How did he guard the garden? Through his obedience. Obedience. It's that simple. Because when he was disobedient, the garden went kerput and he went out. And we've been having problems ever since. And I was a, when I was a, a younger guy, I was in a church with, um, this is over in another church and, and, and here comes, uh, we had, we, we had, uh, uh, having our locks rekeyed. Okay. This is back before you had to keep pads and all that stuff, you know, and like we have here, you know. Wonderful. Um, he was going to refit keys. And the word of the Lord came to me, and I was going to share it with him. I thought, okay, I'm going to ask him a question. Actually, this is a statement. I said, you know, if it wasn't for Adam's original sin in the garden, you wouldn't have a job. He looked at me, and he goes, wow. I said, why are you surprised? You're in a church. And we have to have locks on a church. Why? Because of Adam. But it's also because of Adam, Adam that I locked my keys in the car. And before you laugh at that, let me just say this. is because of Adam we have keys at all. Isn't that profound? Everything in life was affected through Adam's disobedience. Everything. And so I've got a deep theological question that I will not know until I get to heaven. Did Adam really know why he should guard? Did the Lord tell him now, if you eat of that tree of, of um, good and evil, you if you eat from that thing, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and, and you're going to need clothing. God didn't do that. So I have to ask this question. Did Adam have even a clue? I've always said this about Scripture. That the Bible assumes we will be obedient. Do you ever think about that? Does the Bible assume that you're going to be disobedient? No. But it does give warnings of what's going to happen if we are. Did Adam know that? And the major point here is this. Did it make any difference? Would it have made any difference? Would he have been obedient? Lord, that wasn't, that, that wasn't fair. He should have been. No. God assumes that when he says something, you're going to do it. You will heed the wisdom in it. 
to obey is better than sacrifice. And went even further to say in that discourse between Samuel, the prophet, and Saul, King Saul, who had just committed another act of disobedience, lost the kingdom over it. Disobedience brings loss. If you haven't figured that out yet. It brings loss. So you can't blame your loss on something else. You say, God, that was my fault. Because I didn't do it, this is what happened. And the Lord also says about disobedience, that disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. You might say, how is that comparable at all? I'm not standing over a, a boiling cauldron and saying weird words and stuff. Witchcraft is purely rebellion. Rebellion. When God gives us a command, it's given to us by His great grace and mercy that we would know enough to adhere to His Word, to be hungry for His Word, to love Him enough that I'm going to do it. In John 14, it says three different places. It says where Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Three times in one chapter. If you love me. To the level that we are obedient is very comparable to the level that we love him. Ask Peter. There's an ultimate right there in disobedience when he, when he denied Christ three times. And three times Jesus asked him, in his disobedience, asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? It was on, it, we call that the, the restoration of Peter when after, after they had been out fishing all night and there was Jesus after the resurrection and he was on the shoreline and he was cooking breakfast for them. And Peter saw him says, hiss the Lord. And if he could have walked on water, he took off all his clothes so he could swim. And boom, he won. He couldn't wait for the boat to get ashore. He wanted to beat everyone there. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, Lord, you know I do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Oh God, only you know. You know I do. Feed my sheep. And so when the Lord placed Adam in the garden, he said to guard it. And nowadays, because we we try to do things through carnal, broken not having the mind of Christ, but having broken thinking, when we are told, and we learn this at a young age, when you are told not to do something, what do you want to do? You want to go and experience it. You want to see what it's like. When I was three years old, my mom left a hot iron on the on the ironing board, and she said, don't touch it. And she left the room to go get something. Guess what I did? My whole hand was burned and blistered. 
I was three years old. But I remember it. Don't do that again. (laughs) Blame it on my mom? No. (laughs) No, I should have known. She told me. (sighs) Tend the garden means to guard it. Now, we have to guard some things in our lives. I want to give you just a few while we're here this morning. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, it says, Be not weary in your well-doing, for if you faint not, you will reap a harvest. And when you do something good, doesn't it feel good? How in the world could you get weary from that? Oh, wait, there's more. We'll find out a little bit later. Weariness is something to look out for. Be on the guard for. How many of you just work yourself to the bone? Work, 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 work. Just do, 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 do. We call them workaholics. And I, I just say, nope, there's something there that they're trying to forget. or something there that they, you know. But the truth of the matter is, when you're weary, you stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> Amen? And Paul was telling the Galatians, don't grow weary in your well-doing. For a good reason. First of all, did you know that weariness is the number one tactic of the enemy in the end times? It's in the Bible. Turn with me to Daniel 7.25. And I dare say that some of you aren't going to know this is even in there. And I don't say that to shame you. I'm just saying there's a lot of nuggets in there if you want to dig for them. Trying to make you hungry for it. And some of the strategies of getting through these end time things, just because you live north, you don't think that it's going to be nice all the time. Then you read about something in the news and go, I can't believe that this happened. Wicked things happen up here. Just not to the degree of Detroit, Chicago, Grand Rapids. Turn to Daniel 7.25. And there is something there. And... In Daniel's vision, it was being given to him, first of all, end time stuff, today stuff, today stuff. And one of the things that Daniel was told, the angel says, and speaking this of Satan, the Antichrist as well, but in this particular point, the Antichrist and Satan are, one, you know, they're, they're the, one and the same, and he shall speak great words against the Most High. What do we see going on right now? Blasphemy after blasphemy after blasphemy after blasphemy. And he shall speak great words against God, the Most High. Here's another one. This is the one I want us to look at in particular. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. Think, think to change times and laws. And by the way, that's the cancel culture stuff right there. That's cancel culture to the bone. But that second, that second statement, that second dynamic describing adjective wise, it's just, he's gonna seek to wear out the people of God. 
I had to get into a little bit of study on that and say, where out? Yes. To wear us out means this. To wear away through continual harassment or harassment if you're British. Do you catch that? There's a word picture there. Remember, we're in the Old Testament, word pictures. You know what word picture I get? Drip, 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 drip. Have you been to Niagara Falls? Did you go to Niagara Falls when you were a little child and 50 years later you see it again and wonder, wow, that's not at all like it used to be. It isn't. Why? Erosion. The force of water. You take one little drip, drip, drip. It'll, it'll take a, a piece of granite and dish it out over the years. That's the word picture is that it's the tactic of the devil to wear us out by this, wearing us away. Wear us away. That's not good. And he's working right now, over time, in wearing us away through continual harassment. Drip, drip, drip. In ministry through the years, I've had people be a drip. (laughs) Drip. Drip, drip. I'm serious, I laugh at it now, but at the time I was like, people coming to you continually with complaints and whining. Which, by the way, is not scriptural living. Are you a complainer? I hope not. Paul said, do all things without complaining and whining. I threw the whining in there because it means the same thing. Drip, drip, drip. Did you ever have a month where it seems like it was everything broke? Man, there goes your refrigerator. Oh, man, there goes my washing machine. The dryer, too. Well, then you stub your toe on a, on a nice table and the lamp falls off and smash, and then you've got to replace that, too. Drip. Drip. Got an oven there, Sherry? How you doing with that? Great. Great. Drip. 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 It'll wear you down. It'll make you want to quit. Why? Because it's wearing you away with constant harassment. It's not always people. It's things happening. Turn the TV off. Drip, drip, drip. It's there. That little scripture, Daniel 7.25. How many of us need to make that alive in our lives? Take those things that go drip, 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 and just get away from it. If it's people and you can't get away, then I'll tell you what you do. Start blessing them out the door. 
They'll shut it off. We're supposed to bless those who curse us and pray for those who are our enemies. If we are to bless those, Jesus said this, bless those who curse us. <laughs> That's what that means when when the Lord said, offer your other cheek as well. That's got nothing to do with war. That's got everything to do with insults. Do you have somebody at work that does that? Drip, <laughs> drip, drip. Went to a minister's conference one time, and, and, the, and the, our guest speaker, uh, he was a hoot. He says, he says, joy suckers. You can hear him coming a block away. <laughs> joy suckers. They're coming to suck the joy of the Lord right out of you. Back in the hippie days, yeah, I was a hippie. I was one of those. We call it a buzz killer. As a believer now, having tasted of the glory of God, I call them glory killers. Because that's exactly what will happen. Because the devil is there to steal, to kill, to destroy. But he'll steal first. He'll steal first. Watch out for those who go drip, 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 who will wear into you, even though you think you're as strong as granite, there will be a time when you snap and something will be lost. That's the devil's. Give him, give him an inch and he'll take a whole lot more. Why? Because he's not playing around. He wants to take the body of Christ and wear them down in the end times. We are the ones who are supposed to carry the fire of God, the anointing of God, the joy of the Lord, the passion. Take it to unbelievers. And he wants to take that away from us. Drip. Drip, drip. Got another one for you. <sighs> Forsake. What's that word mean to you? Forsake. One of them is this morning, which I can see that you are doing really well at. Forsake not the gathering together of believers. Don't get out of the habit of doing that, you know, because some are in the habit of doing that. And we should all the more so come together as the day approaches. D, capital D, the last day approaches. That's not what I'm talking about, though. It's a word forsake. Forsake is for good things. Forsake can be bad things. But what does forsake mean to you? What's your description of forsake? Some things we need to abandon and some things we better not abandon. I've got one for you that we really need to guard. Speaking of end times, and this is all end times related, how about Revelation 2? Is that not end times related? Book of Revelation? Nah, Rep, no, huh? I believe in sanctified sarcasm, by the way. Jesus did. Somebody said, oh, sarcasm, that's bad. I said, what? you're going you're gonna to tell the Lord that? Sanctified sarcasm. 
Jesus had some pretty sarcastic moments too. He had some pretty funny ones. I love him. I just love him. He did that. I just have to be careful not to go over the edge. But Revelation 2. Do you know what I'm going for here? The church in Ephesus write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. And I want us to look at look at verse 2, 3, and 4. Jesus said, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. And right now you're like, oh, he can end right there. That's pretty good. Oh, that's good. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. Underline that. That you cannot tolerate wicked people. And that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Oh. Yet I hold this one thing against you. You have forsaken your first love. I looked at this really hard 20 years ago. I said, God, not me. Not me. And so I had to look at why did this happen? How can we stop it from happening? Leaving our first love. Jesus. I love all the benefits of loving God. But the greatest of which is for me to stand guard over that which he has given me. We need to do this. Now, you have worked, you have labored, you have fought, you have proven, you have debated and won. You've, you've taken those who are not scriptural and you give them the boot. You get them out. And then you've forsaken them. You got rid of them. You put them out. False apostles, false prophets, false teachers, false everything. False teaching. You have discerned false teaching. Good, 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 good. You see it yet? Make sure you forsake the right things. And make sure you don't fall in love with the forsaking. Underline that. Don't fall in love with forsaking the bad things. Just do it because you ought to. Why obey? Because I ought to. Proving those faults is in context here. Taking those who say they are this but are not this. And I dare say that it is, okay, you can't find anyone who's been more political than me. Maybe not doing everything, you know, way out there in front and even a politician. That's not my bag. It's not my calling. 
But I will say this. I love this country. But in regard to this, don't weary yourself to the point of forsaking the Lord. Instead, loving the proving wrong. Loving that more than loving God. And before you know it, the Lord will have to come to you and say, you have forsaken your first love. Doing the work of the Lord should not be your first love. Doing your ministry should not be your first love. Oh, I know, faith without works is dead. But your first love. You know, one of the benefits of this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Yes. In part, of seeking the kingdom is coming face to face with your Savior and saying, I love you. You. We are the bride of Christ. We are engaged. We are betrothed. And twice it says you are betrothed to the Lord. Your life is not your own. Twice. Your life is not your own. So be careful when you pick and choose what endeavors you want to go off on. If God has called you to the political realm, go with it. But do not forsake your first love. And if you think that you're better than the Ephesus church, go for it. But you better question a little bit. I look at that and I say, man, those are some pretty good works that they did. Want me to read them again? Check this out. Check this out. I know your deeds. Your hard work. Your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. And you have tested those who are hypocritical and false. In your testing... Of those who say they're one thing and they're not. That can bring more exhaustion than anything else. It's more than distracting. It's a pushing away. It's a forsaking. It's an avoiding. It's so easy to just... I'll have my couple verses in the morning. I'll pray over a meal. And then just go on your way. Not even mindful... Of the Holy Spirit. Our helper. Hmm. That verse that says, don't you know that the Holy Spirit is in you that for the purpose of watching over us and he wars jealously in our lives. The Holy Spirit wars jealously, contends jealously. Have you ever had a better emotion than being jealous? Isn't that the worst of the worst of the worst? Jealousy? It's taking love and just breaking it in two. What's the Lord's name? Old Testament. What is the Lord's name? Don't say Yahweh. No, I'm... mm -mm. 
Jealous. He says, my name is Jealous. Capital J. I say all this because I don't want you being attacked by the enemy because you left the gate open somewhere. This is a guard message. Warning. Take it and run with it. Keep your eyes open. Be sober. Be vigilant. For the enemy is lurking like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Devour is not a pretty thing. You can only be devoured once. Get a picture of that. Would you stand with me, please? Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning who came in to be with you. Lord, we don't have a lot of the frills that bigger churches have. But the nice part is, Lord, we know who what we're we know what we're getting when we come here. You. Lord, I want to thank you for that. Lord, may we as a people of God understand that we are convicted, corrected by the Holy Spirit because you love us. It's a sign of love. And Lord, I pray for each one that's heard these words this morning. I pray, Lord, that somewhere in the middle of it, Lord, there was some confirmation that was taking place in people and their thinking and, and they're making a connection with you this morning, even as they're sitting and listening to me, a simple servant. God, I pray. Lord, for that peace that passes all understanding, let us deal with these things, God. And know this, that you are gracious and you are merciful. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we even have to ask this morning that you watch over our drive home. Lord, may we not get too fast or going and make... And Lord, that other people would be safe around us. That would be the nice part. Lord, we want to thank you for it. Lord, we're coming up on Christmas week. We're going to get some bad, bad weather coming up. And people people are going to get worse than us. And Lord, we want to just pray, God, that you watch over your church. Lord, our families. Lord, may all things be done and done well. In Jesus' name, amen.